10年早いんだよはい。15 miles away when you're a kid, you, you know, it's not really practical. So, pretty much, because I live near like the、um, downtown, I suppose you would call it, like the city center, there's a lot of arcade machines down there, but they were pretty much in like pool halls, you know, where you have like snook and what have you, you've got like、um, taxi ranks, bowling alleys, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, bowling alleys, kebab shops. I, don't, I suppose you don't have those in America, but yeah, kebab shops,、uh, chip <laughs> shops. But yeah, I, I pretty much had like access to say about. In like the late 80s, early 90s, say about, say about 40 cabs, you know, spread out within,、like oh, okay. a, within a square mile. So if you added them all together, it would have been a good arcade, but.、Um, no formal arcade setting, though. Not really, no. It's more of a, yeah, just like a bab shop and, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I understand what you're saying. I had that exact same thing growing up in my town. There weren't any, well, there's one in the mall, but it was overpriced and mostly like ticket games and stuff. Hmm. But how I mostly played arcade games in my town is stuff like pizza, restaurants, bowling alleys.、I'm、trying to think. Sometimes even like at department stores. Yeah. Stuff like that. They'd have arcade machines. It's hard to think going back, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. It's weird back then. Yeah. Because there, there, there were a couple of arcades, but the thing is, they're all like、um, 18 and over because they're, ma- they're mainly like、um, gambling machines, like fruit machines. Because when I started playing games, you know, arcade games, when they came into my, like, Conscience, I guess.、Uh, consciousness. I was, I was a bit like eight, you know, like eight, nine years old. So I couldn't really pass for like an 18 year old back then. So, <laughs> oh, me neither. I was, I was restricted, restricted to the、uh, kebab shops and the pool halls, basically. So at those shops, what were the machines that you normally came across? Well, the first, because I used to go into town with my mum. I call it town, it's like the, the, the city, basically, you know, downtown, I guess、yeah. you'd call it. I'd go into town and we'd walk past a video shop. Which was、um, in the main town centre. And I remember walking past and hearing like Packland, because that's really loud, isn't it? The sound effects on that.、Uh-huh. I remember, um, yeah, I remember hearing Packland sticking my head in and I'm going, oh, come on, we've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to stop in here. And、um, a few years, well, like a year after that, say, I was coming home from school 
I must have been about nine years old now. And I put my roller skates on and I used to roller skate into town because it's only like a mile away. And I used to go there after school to play like Packland and Shinobi and things like that. So it must have been like that era when I started going to arcades, you know, consistently. But before that, I used to go on like caravan holidays and um, I used to play in the arcades then because that's the first thing I used to do when I used to get, you know, when you go somewhere, you just, you know, you try and find the arcades, don't you? Yes, yes. Yeah, because every caravan park has got like a little arcade. So uh, the first arcade which I remember seeing from those days is probably a Missile Command, the first one. Because I was born in 78, so I'm quite quite old i guess but yeah that's the first that's the first that's the first game i ever remember seeing i don't know why because that that year i don't remember anything else <laughs> i just just i got like an imprint of missile command at an airport thinking all oh, right i'll log that <laughs> yeah strange i'm trying to remember my first arcade game i think i'm pretty sure oh okay i remember this is really odd but the first arcade game i ever played was versus super mario bros oh yeah oh the arcade version that's right, because that was half um, lost levels as well, wasn't it? Apparently, yeah. yeah. That's right. It's like super hard. Like blocks are missing where they they're not know where they normally are, aren't they? It's like a harder version. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. It was one of those tabletop arcade machines. I don't know if that's the exact yeah the, co- the description cocktail, of it, but you sit. Yeah, you sit down and you look down into a table. That's to play right. It. Yeah, they were really po- uh, common in the UK. They were. Oh, were they? That's the only one I've ever seen. Is it? Yeah, apparently they're quite they're quite yeah. rare, like in Japan and uh, America. But yeah, the UK they were like to see them all the time. But yeah, that's that's neat. That is, they're they're nice there. But um, it's not very good for like a extended play, is it? Because there's a weird angle you're leaning over, and <laughs> the worst is when some kid comes down and puts his pizza on top of your machine. You're like middle of playing. Yeah. Some kid comes over. It's like, dude, I'm in the middle of. Something I know. That's here. the thing. The screen is like pretty much eighty percent of the um of the table, isn't it? It's not as if it's you can put things mm-hmm. on it while you're playing this. Yeah. Put your beer, I guess. That's what it's meant for. Your beer, not a, not a pizza. Oh. <laughs> right. Two seconds. Could you hear that? This ice cream van just going past. Sorry. Hey, no worries. I can probably cut most of that out. But um, yeah, yeah, that's good. They're nice. Those uh, cut those um. That, that might be a good way to get an, uh, an arcade machine. It's like if you're married or something, or living with someone, getting a, a cab in the house. You know, just disguising it as like a, a coffee table. That's a genius idea. It isn't it? If you can find one, you know, for cheap enough. Put some nice sticks in it as well. Yeah, because right now I have to throw all my big machinery, I guess, like my CRTs and all that out in the shed. I can't have them in the house. <laughs> uh, oh, you, got a, you got a CRT collection, have you? Well, yeah, but they're not anything impressive. I have a giant Sony Trinitron. Yeah. And then I finally found a PVM at a thrift store. That's all, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's this big old Philips one. And then I have a... 17-inch CRT computer monitor that I use with my computer. Yeah, they're, they're good for, like, Naomi stuff, aren't they? Yeah. If you think about it, like the uh, mid mid and high-res stuff. Yeah, I think they look fantastic. For and there's no lag either, is there, on those? Nope, none. Which is a major issue with uh, TVs these days, isn't it? Huge, yeah. My main reason why I play on CRT. Yeah, same here as well, actually. So, getting back to the arcades, Missile Command was your first. What was the one that really grabbed you? And I guess made you feel like you had to go to the arcade, or you know what I mean. The first one that uh, infected me, basically. Yes. You think you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Um, it's got to be Shinobi. I know it's not. I know it's not Shmup related. We played that that's Shinobi. Right. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic game. Yeah, 1987. Because um, and it sounds like that's a game that just in these interviews I'm doing, a lot of Shmup players identify Shinobi as one of those turning point really? games for them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? Because it's got no shoot. Well, I suppose it's got shooting. You shoot missiles, you get power uh-huh. up, and you've 
shoot missiles. That's a bullet, sort of. <laughs> it's kind of a hardcore style arcade game, though. Yeah, if you think about it, even though it hasn't got much in common, it's got those arcade sensibilities where it's, it's punishing, you're one hit death. Yes. Um, you've got to be quite precise. You know, if you get close, you use your sword too far away. Yeah, there's a lot of precision to it, isn't there? So I suppose it does lend itself to um, shmups in you know, that way. And you've got to, you know, have a good game plan. You can't just dive in and just go, you know, go crazy on it. You've got to <laughs> yeah. be strategic, haven't you, to, uh, to get to the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does make sense in a way. But um, yeah, it must, I, think, I think Shinobi's, that's my biggest one. And the first shoot 'em up because that was pretty. Because this arcade, it had four machines in a row. I remember it had 1942, mm-hmm. Hackland, which is what I used to hear. That's the reason I went in there because I heard it through the door. Yeah. R Type. Oh, okay. That was, my, that was my first, my real, you know, um, shoot 'em up game that I actually spent you know, proper time with. And then Shinobi was on the end. So, yeah, that's a pretty good arcade if you think about it. Those four games, they're mm-hmm. pretty, you know, Stone Cold classics. Apart from 1942, I guess, it's a bit. It gets a bit boring nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. It's good. I'd say so. It's but... good. It's nice and precise, but it's not enough going on, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah, sometimes I have trouble returning to some of those uh, older shmups that feels like there's not a lot going on. Mm, it's a nice game, though. I, I, you can appreciate it for what it is, but um, nowadays you need a bit more to dodge, I guess, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> more to shoot, more to dodge. Oh, yeah, and, and shoot, and shoot, yeah. So... In that interview, in that podcast you were in, which I thought was really great, probably a lot more professional than what I can pull off, but you guys talked quite extensively about Street Fighter 2 and how that kind of really grabbed you. So I wanted to ask you, around what time did you start playing Street Fighter 2? Oh, pretty pretty much uh, as soon as it came out, because I remember seeing it in um, a famous UK magazine called CMVG, Computer and Video Video Games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember seeing it in there. Pretty much. Say, like, like two weeks after, it was actually in in a taxi ranking town. I, I suppose you'd call it like a pack you know, where you get cabs from. Yeah, you know, cab taxi. Do you call them taxis? Where I live, yeah, they they're very in rare. America, don't they? Oh yeah, in the big cities, they're all over the place. I live out in a very rural, wild west kind of area. So, I mean, you're uh, actually more likely to see a tractor than a taxi. Oh, is it? All right. <laughs> actually, just yesterday, I was driving downtown and got stuck behind a tractor. So. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Oh, actually, actually it does because I live in Wales, which is like uh, it's got lots of like fields and country lanes and what have you. So yeah, when when I go to work, I I uh, drive down a country lane to work. So uh, I do get stuck behind tractors as well. Okay, so we got <laughs> that in common. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, Street Fighter Two. Um, I remember. Yeah, I remember as soon as it the, the week it came out. Well, two weeks after it came out, and um, they had it in they had it in the local taxi rank, and yeah, as soon as I went in there. There was a, there, it was packed straight away because there, there was only one cab in there. And there was about, I don't know, about, say about 10, 10, 15 people just all crowded around it. So I didn't know what wow. it was at first. Eventually I got onto it and I had the move strip on there. You know, the move strip with all yes. the moves? Yes, oh yeah. And I remember the first person I used on it was um, Guile. And it said on there, hope, press, all I saw was the arrow left and arrow right and punch. And then down yeah. and up. I didn't really like the hold. So I was just like trying to flick it back and forth, trying to do like an instant, <laughs> instant charge, something booms. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were good days, they were. And, and later on, we had it on a chip shop. You know, chips, not, not potato chips. Right. The fries. Yeah, yes. the fries. Mm-hmm. Um, you've probably seen Monty Python, haven't you? They, got, they talk about chips and stuff, <laughs> don't they? Well, <laughs> I've read a lot of Harry Potter, so I know a little bit. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know chips are. <laughs> yeah, like a chip shop, pretty much like, like two minutes from like from my mum's house. And then they had it in there as well, so I played in there a lot. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was like a phenomenon at the time. 
Yeah, and luckily I was like right on the cusp that I was old enough because when it came out in 91, so I was, must yep. have been like 12 at that point, which is like, you know, the perfect time to uh, oh yeah to be, I guess. But um, yeah, what about you? How old are you, by the way? Did you, were you around when? I was born the same year as Street Fighter 2. <laughs> oh, 91. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I guess, my background with Street Fighter 2. I actually played the home console SNES version first before I ever yeah. played the arcade version. And I played, I had the original Street Fighter 2 SNES version. And then yeah. I had Super Street Fighter 2, the new Challengers. Oh, uh, well, you missed Turbo. Yeah. But did you know on Super Street Fighter 2, the new Challengers, you can add Turbo to it in the main screen. If you press right, 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 it adds three stars and it can go into Turbo. Oh, yeah, that's right. It says Turbo and Normal, doesn't it? Yes. A lot of people don't yeah, know about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I did notice that. Yeah, that's right. But you haven't got the CBS 1 type um, sound effects, have you? You've got the super, nope. the super sound effects. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I noticed that. Yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, if you want to play hyper fighting, you just get super, can you, basically? Yeah, yeah hyper fighting is completely useless. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the original Street Fighter 2 on SNES is extra useless. Get Super yeah, Street Fighter 2, the new Challengers, for sure. It's like that re-release that came out, which was $100. Oh, for, um, yeah. I heard about for that. For World Warrior. I was like, that's a lot. You could buy an original one for that. It's, like, it's not a rare game, is it? I don't know why. There's a collector's version of a super common game, which is obsolete, basically, isn't it? And it's like red, right? The cart's red or whatever. Yeah, or if you're lucky, you get a green one. I think it's just... Uh, Collectors love that kind of crap. I think it's mostly about that more than the game itself. Yeah, I think people who buy it and replay play Street Fighter 2, I wonder if because it seems like a pointless there. So I wanted to ask you, did you end up playing Street Fighter 2 competitively? Is that right? Well, yeah, I, I did, but only that's in like the 2000s. Cause I went into one tournament when Champion Edition came out. It was in a place called uh, Mr. Q's. You can imagine they did um, pool and snooker. Mm-hmm. And there was a tournament in there one Saturday. And that was actually in 92 as well, like when Champion Edition came out. Oh, okay. I played in that. I didn't uh, win. So I, I couldn't do Dragon Pitches on the right-hand side in those days, only on the left-hand yes, side. Yes, yes, I know that. And then like, the sticks were terrible. They weren't, they weren't good sticks. Were they the, uh, the hap, those heavy old... No, they, if we had those, it would have been half decent. But these are like, um, all I can explain, they're like UK, uh, UK like budget kebab shop snooker hold sticks there's like no brand there's no, no one wants to own up to who you know who made <laughs> them they just they're just like no no name rubbish sticks oh that's and it terrible was impossible you had to yeah you had to put all your arm into just doing moves it was hard to block it was terrible it wasn't the best experience but um yeah and then i started getting competitive on it when Kareli oh, i can't remember the name of it now Kareliera, when um it was in coax the emulator oh okay it's like an online client which came with coax which is like a CPS 1 and 2, a Neo Geo emulator. And it was called Caleria, or something like that. And um, you could play online. And I used to play a lot of the London players, uh, Super Turbo on that. Because that, that's, my, that's my main game, that is Super Turbo. Yeah, that's a fantastic game. Yeah, and I used to go to um, London meets then. For like, um, they have Super Turbo Sunday, where there's this arcade in London called uh, Heart of Gaming. And they've got loads of uh, Japanese arcade machines in there. Like all, all of, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, all versus cities in a row. It's gone now, basically, but it used to be there. And um, they used to have um, yeah, tournaments in there on a, on a Sunday. So it was a pop to London, play that. And I've been to a few meets at people's houses. You know, people have like little tournaments in their houses. 
Yes, that's how it is here. Yeah, but nothing major. I haven't been to like a Evo or anywhere like that. Yeah, I imagine that would be one hell of a trip. I, I nearly went to Evo actually because there was this tournament in London called um, Battle of Destiny. It was the year Street Fighter Four came out, and yes. Capcom UK had a preview cabinet there. They had um, a Vulix cabinet there with a like a build of Street Fighter Four, and um, I got on top. Whoever won the tournaments. Third Strike, I think was it was Third Strike, Super Turbo, a CVS two, Alpha. I can't remember now. This was like two thousand and six. This was two thousand five. Oh, well, actually, no, two thousand eight. Two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah. So it must have been a little bit before. I think it's something. I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of Absolution then. Sorry, that's another tournament. Yeah, yeah. And whoever won the tournament's got a free ticket to Evo at the flight as well. Wow. But um, yeah, I got to top eight. I was on the stage. It's on YouTube, it is. We're like an Xbox Skeeto Battle of Destiny. I'm on the stage, and um, yeah, I just, I just crumbled, basically. And uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't cope with the pressure, because I played this famous French player called Yamazaki. Uh-huh. He's like a famous Street Fighter player in France, and I was playing him first in top eight. And I was on stage, like all smoke coming up, like those old SBO videos you see, where all the steam comes up. I'm like, oh, shit, I can't, I can't deal with this pressure. <laughs> and uh, apparently I couldn't. And, uh, <laughs> I played really bad. I've I've had very similar experiences to that. I'm about to win, and you just crumble at the end. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, and you make decisions you'd never make in previous. You, you're oh, doing yeah. things. You're like, why am I doing this? Because <laughs> <laughs> like that guy you were on last time, the uh, the Gregor guy. I can't remember his name now. So, Eaglet. Yeah, Eaglet. That's him. Uh, he, he he was saying he thrives on the on the pressure of um, people watching, and you know everything's on the line, mm-hmm. and he thrives on it. He like feeds off it. Yeah, I can't can't imagine. My older brother is that way. He can, under pressure, he can pull out miracles. I I suppose the more you expose yourself to um, performing under pressure, I guess you get used to it. But um, yeah, yeah, man, it's so. That was kind of my journey. I kind of kept at it, and I feel like I've gotten a lot better. Yeah, that's good. Imagine being on like the the final of Evo when you're you're like on TV. Oh, and like (laughs) and he's like you miss a button or something. Yeah, you both there at stairway. Oh, should I jump? Should I not jump? Uh, what do I do? <laughs> Crazy. And so, when you're playing your shmups and playing shooting games, do you ever feel like that kind of skill transitions over? Yeah, I, I think it does. On the surface, it doesn't seem like it does, but I suppose they both got the same sort of. Um, they both require you know precise precision, don't they? You got you got to think. Mm-hmm. Oh, how do I hold the joystick? I find with fighting games and shooting maps, you, you you're constantly thinking different ways off. I hold it this way and get more precision by doing this. And I know fighting games as well. I know shooting ups, you've got to really you gotta really plan ahead, haven't you? You've got to think you've got to really apply yourself and think about what you're doing. A couple of my friends, they play um uh shooting ups. I don't see them now, but they used to play shooting ups. But they just like they're not really thinking what they're doing. They just casually go left to the right on the screen, just casually shooting. They're not really like yes. thinking thinking what they're doing. To get good at a fighting game you've got to really apply yourself and Look at all the little nuances, and yeah, and that's what, that's how you get exactly. good at shooting as well, isn't it? You can just casually just go, oh yeah, blah blah blah, shoot this. Yeah, I th- I think one skill I learned from fighting games is the concept of space control. Mm. I played a lot of Street Fighter Four, and you know how you have to kind of control your space, and you really start to look at the space on the screen differently. Yeah, and so when I started playing shmups, like the really hard ones, I started to try and apply these kinds of theories and concepts to shmups where your ship is controlling this amount of space and your the enemy ships are controlling this space yeah 
and you have to kind of guide their bullets away from the space they're controlling yeah. and then enter their space. Yeah, that's like, yeah, you worded it way better than I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're sort of like leaving yourself a bit, a bit of a wiggle room and it's almost, like, it's almost like you're leading the enemy into doing something. But it's on the bullet, on the street map, you're leading mm-hmm. the bullets this way so you've got space to move down. It's sort of like that. And yes. Yeah, I find as well like the collision, knowing the collision detection and where the hitboxes are and things like that are quite um, important. Mm-hmm. So like on shoot maps like when I first play shoot maps, I usually have like a few like suicide runs to see like, oh, what's the hitbox on the ship? Like, you know, purposely, purposely yeah, collide with things and try things out, let bullets get super close to you, which is sort of like shoot, like beat em ups, but fighting games, you'll know, see what part of your foot, you know, causes like, causes them to block, you know, things like that. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. So I wanted to get your opinion on this because I'm a little divided. What do you feel about the more modern shmups just showing you the hitbox? Do you think that kind of takes away from that experience, or do you think it's just a good? Uh, thing? I suppose it gives you it gives you hard data, I guess, but it sort of takes away the um, like organic feel of like learning the game, doesn't it? Right, I'm really divided. I don't know how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, because like in the in the old days, because like, everyone there was all about frame data and um, uh, how many frames start up and all that. But I, th- I think yes. I think I think learning it by feel, I suppose it isn't as hard. You haven't got as hard data as you've seen a, a box o- overlap. The thing is, that's not always there, is it? I think it's best to learn it just from the feel and experience more mm-hmm. than, um, you know, get, getting given. <laughs> it's, it's a hard I question. don't know either. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I hit you with a hard-hitting question right there. My thoughts are, one half of me feels it's a good thing because concepts such as hitboxes are foreign to most casual players. Yeah. And so they're not going to understand, like Dodonpachi like the original one, which doesn't show that box, how the ship can navigate through these bullet patterns because they probably assume your ship is a hitbox. Yeah, right? you got a point there, actually. So with newer games, it helps casual players understand, no, your hitbox is actually just this tiny little thing. But at the same time, I play Dodonpachi and I've learned that where the hitbox yeah. is. And it does feel magical yeah. when you actually get it. And you feel like, yeah, I'm that good. I know the hitbox without even yeah. seeing it. <laughs> it's like a long way range. So it's it's the a... same goal, I guess. <laughs> so it's hard to know if I like it or not. Yeah, I don't know. There is a right or wrong answer, really, is there? But it's just more rewarding. It's more rewarding not knowing the hitbox and like finding it out just by just by raw playing it. But yeah, yeah. Doing the patch, it's not it's mm-hmm. not immediately obvious, is it, where the hitbox is? Because you've got like two bullets touching each other, basically, and you can go in between in between those two bullets, and you're clearly getting hit. But yeah, you're not, are you? Because <laughs> yeah. a hitbox of bullet is like 20% the size of the sprite, isn't it? Uh huh. I guess the good middle ground is even if you show the player hitbox, mm. they don't show the bullet hitboxes. Yeah. And you still have to kind of learn those. The thing is, though, in Arcadia magazine, the, the Japanese magazine Arcadia, I used to get that in like the mid 2000s. And in there, it shows you the hitboxes. So that's awesome. So the Japanese had. You know, access to those things, even though they didn't have like the emulator showing you that. It, it, it did. It did show yeah. you because I remember there was um the Di- the um the Diogeo episode with the big you know with the front cover on with the the uh, the girl with the ship in that issue. It had all the ships yes. and it showed you all like the um all the hit boxes and the hit box of the bullets as well. I think it did the level maps. It showed you loads of uh, loads of detail. I got to get my hands on that. That sounds awesome. It's good. It's a good magazine, Arcadia. It's just unfortunate uh, I can't read it. I've been thinking of using that Google, that Google Translate app on your phone, which sort of translates things on the fly. You just hold it in front of Japanese yeah. text. 
And if you use your imagination. Yes, I've used that many times. Fighter 2 and playing Missile Command and R-Type, did you end up gravitating towards shmups or were you just kind of a more all-around hardcore arcade player? Well, it's weird with shmups because I played it in when, when R-Type came out and I played it on the Mass System a lot and my Spectrum. And um, I didn't really play shmups that much until it, it sort of came back into my view in the early 2000s when I used to go on the internet a lot and the um, like shmup forums and different websites i started getting the uh the pcbs then so i remember seeing replays on um there's a couple of websites chinese websites to see uh replays on oh cool yeah i can't remember what's called it stg something but yeah like early 2000s and like that, that's when i i started getting into meme and he saw that that's when i saw like a dude on patchy and um guang and things like that i thought oh, what, are, what are these games because they just come from nowhere because i didn't replay really a shoot up since like like our type and like the Super Nintendo days and Mega Drive days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sort of like snowballed from there. Then I found websites, you know, showing what all these games were. Then all these cycle games. Because I remember seeing them on the PlayStation because um, Strikers was mm-hmm. on that, wasn't it? I remember seeing that. I just started buying the PCBs then. But yeah, I found an old um, 14-inch monitor, tated it. And yeah, just, yeah, so it's basically like early 2000s just started to um, you know, open up to me. But before that, I didn't really... Cross my mind apparently I'm like air type i guess it's hard to get right. exposed because if none of your friends play them and there's not really any domestic releases it's hard to get you know get exposed to them isn't it yeah sometimes it's just a matter of stumbling into them and just liking them that's what i do yeah it's like meme i think meme is like the catalyst for a lot of people isn't it with the, the shoot 'em ups because yes it's just got a ridiculous amount of games which you'd never see i mean where would you see like guang that's the first time i saw that was was on meme and um and it's like a five year old game before that you know before I even you know knew it existed, but um yeah because I, I used to buy as soon as I I decided I want to get good at shooting maps, I should just buy loads of PCBs then because back in those days I got like I wonder if I bought Guang Esprit all the cave games and they were a hundred hundred pound each back in those days. Wow. Yeah, I think I think Guang yeah Guang was a hundred pound delivers, whereas now it's What's that in there? Four hundred dollar game, something like that. Yeah. Everything was just dirt cheap back in the early two thousands. You get anything for practically nothing. That's all I played for a few years. Was um, well, shoot maps. My favorite ones at the time then were um, probably psycho shoot maps. I didn't really get on with the cave ones at the at that time. Oh really? Yeah, I, I just even now cave games. I don't know. It's like it's almost like my brain can't work out <laughs> what, what what's coming towards me. <laughs> Right. Whereas cycle games, I find are a bit more manageable for my uh, my tastes, I guess. Do you like the faster, simpler bullet patterns of the Psycho games more? Yeah, I, yeah, because they're, they're faster bullets. I have played a fair few of cave games, but um, I, I haven't. Well, the only game I completed of cave of the cave ones are um, Mushy Original and uh, One Life That. That's a great game. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's a bit actually. <laughs> but yeah, I, I had a friend because he used to um, whenever the uh, cave games came out 
he had a bit of money and uh, he used to buy the games straight away, two and a half grand, like $2,400. Wow. Yeah. Oh, smokes. So, uh, yeah, I got fond memories of like going there my mum's garage. Yeah, in, in the cold of Master City playing a mushy. He bought, um, what did he buy? Uh, Escaluda, he bought like a week it came out. Uh, a barra, he just bought loads of boards, like two and a half grand each. Wow. So he had a full on arcade setup for these, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, he had an Aero City in his back room. The thing is, because his back room was so cold that he just played them in his bed, in his, in his bedroom, on like a little 14 inch uh, Commodore monitor. Oh, I hate when that happens. A bit crazy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's great. He, he sold all those boards soon after for like pittance, and now they've just gone whoop back up again, haven't they? All the cave games. Oh, that's like the worst. He buys them when they come out when they're expensive, sells them when they're dirt cheap, <laughs> and now doesn't have them when they're really expensive again. That's the thing. If you wait one month, you can get them for like a thousand, a thousand dollars cheaper because they're meant to be. They're that much. So, oh, you, you know, you can make your money off them. They're yeah, not, they're not meant the just for private use, even though people do 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 it. But um, he didn't really stick with the games either he just he got them just for like bragging rights basically he didn't really sink much time into them so it was a it was a pointless endeavor on his on his part but um an expensive one maybe there's something about getting a hold of i don't have any arcade pcbs but when i just think about getting a hold of like a cave pcb or something there's something kind of almost romantic yeah, there is it, there know? is yeah and, and yeah and, and you know yeah, you you know you got the original as well, don't you? It's like some something uh magical about it, I guess. And now I'm having that cave printed on the PCB. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and nowadays it's a it's an expensive um uh, endeavor, isn't it? Absolutely. So when did you decide you got all these great cave and um what were the other PCBs you had? Um, I oh, I used to have forty five, fifty PCBs, but um from, like cheap ones because there was a local. A seaside resort near me and when they were closing down like the um mid 90s late 90s i used to go down there and i should just get things because my mum used to go to car boot sales and get loads of like little um lcd game and watch games and i used to go down I'd go mm-hmm. down to this um go down to the operator of the arcades and swap a big bag of um lcd games for a load of pcbs so over like the over the years i amassed yeah about like 45 odd pcbs for the price of a few little uh, LCD games for care book sales. It, it worked out pretty much like a pound, like a pound of board, pretty much. Holy smokes! Were they all shmups, or were they kind of a mixture of arcade games? Um, it's, it's pretty much all the all the games of that era. Like, um, I had a few shmups in that bundle. It was a uh, what they have Gemini Wing. That's pretty. That's a pretty uh, good shoot 'em up. They have Atop Leo. I wish I kept that to be honest, because that's worth a bomb now, isn't it? <laughs> Oh man! But, um, no, it's mostly just like generic stuff, like a uh, Greenberry, uh, Eswap, things like that. Oh okay. Did you have any fighting games? Yeah, I got a couple of uh, Street Fighter boots because, as you can imagine, in those days they were uh, quite abundant. Yes. Did you ever get your hands on like the Rainbow Edition or anything like that? No, no, no. I, it was, I think it's really annoying that game, isn't it? Because it just it just takes all the balance of the game, doesn't it? So it's like they've done all this research, all this game testing, and they just the Chinese just uh, ruin it. They generally break nowadays because they're built so so cheaply with uh, cheap components. Yeah, they're not gonna make it this long, are they? Yeah, they just they just suicide. Like, that's why I got rid of all my PCBs because I didn't play it for a while. Plug it in, the next minute it's just it's dead. That's what a lot of people have been saying. That kind of scares me. You invest all this money in this thing that you don't know what it's gonna do from day to day. Yeah, I think the newer boards, like say the newer cave ones, what have you? They've got like different. Um, 
different components. They've got like the, the smaller ones, haven't they? Like the, uh, they haven't got the service mated ones. They've got the little tiny, the higher quality, aren't they? They're not like the, uh, the old ones. Yeah, because I, I recently, because I had a Shinobi PCB, which turned out to be the version I used to play as a kid. Oh, awesome. Yeah, in, in like 1996, I think it was. And I got my super gun. And I was looking through the uh, local paper for like, um, and I found this like this local dealer, and I met him in a, in a pizza shop, and um, I bought I bought Shinobi off him for fifty pounds, <laughs> and I, I, I was talking to him, and um, turned out that he put that particular version in the video shop that I used to play it in, like uh, in like eighty seven, eighty eight. Wow, so, exact version, and um, yeah, that that died on me recently as well because I remember I didn't play it for a while, I plugged it in, and um, you know, all the sprites were all garbled. So, uh, yeah, they, they just die for no reason. You just, one minute they work, plug it in next, dead. Makes the 360 look good almost. <laughs> That's a joke. Time bombs, or yeah, because I, I sold all those forty five. Then I, I restarted buying them again when I got into games in like um like two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven. I bought a load of PCBs. I had about ten, and uh, a load of them just started breaking. Of oh, I can't, I can't deal with this. And I went to um an expo, an exhibition, like a game exhibition in the UK called um Play Expo. Mm-hmm. And I went there, and they had Super Turbo on a Versus City, and um I was playing it. And halfway through, the uh, the main menu came up. You know when you press tab, yeah, that came yes. up. And I didn't. I, did, I, I was playing it for ages, oh. but I didn't know. I didn't know I was playing on main because it looked so it looked so How good on they? CRT and the responsiveness was like there was no there was no lag at all. And um, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, you can get this because in the past I've only played it on like an LCD monitor on like a you know like a PC. And um, I didn't know uh-huh. it, it could look that good. You know the exact the exact resolution and. Um, as soon as I got home, then I in, I investigated, you know, about meme or what have you, and um, yeah, that's when I discovered Groovy Meme then, and I sold my sold the rest of my PCBs before they decided to uh to kill themselves. <laughs> that's an awesome story. What year was this that you discovered Groovy Meme? Uh, two thousand twelve, I think it was. Oh, yeah, two thousand twelve. Okay. But up until that point, I've never, I never even give it a you know a, a serious consideration because i played on a computer and the xbox is like oh yeah it's all right like it's a bit it's a bit laggy it's jank yeah yeah junk <laughs> yeah 
And like the the resolution's all compromised, isn't it? And it's all like wavy when you walk, when you like scroll. It doesn't look right, does it? Oh no. But yeah, when you put on the CRT with the um, a groovy meme and those CRT emu drivers, I mean, you get the exact refresh rates, even for like weird games like Air Type, which is like fifty seven point eight, some weird re- some weird refresh rates. Yes. Even with games like that, you get the exact resolution, your know, pixel perfect resolution, and the refresh rate, and there's no lag. Well, I. I People have said that there's, you can only get to one frame, can't you, with um, with emulation? You can have one frame regardless. Well, there's some really interesting news about that. Just I'd say within the last month. Oh, you want to bet the retroarch thing where they run like three versions yes. at once, don't they? They run the emulator ahead of their. Yeah, that's confused. That's that's uh, quite clever, isn't it? I suppose. It is. Have you done any testing? I with haven't. That? No, no, no. I still got the original Groovy meme from 2012. I, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to mess around with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that does seem good. It's very complicated, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I mean, for the sake of one frame, I don't know. I'm not sure if I can detect one frame enough to matter. And it sounds a lot of headache just to uh, just to do that. Because I think in a way, then though, because you're sort of making it better than the original. Because I remember. Cause that, yes, that's what it's about. To yeah, because the Gorega is like three or four frames of lag built into the game. And if you play it on RetroArch mm-hmm. with, like, say, like zero frames, you've almost got like an advantage over the PCB, then, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask you about is um, with Groovy Mame, for me, the appeal is definitely getting it on a CRT and getting that lag down. Mm-hmm. But for you, is it more of the appeal that it's very, very close to the original version? I guess what I'm asking is, if it was possible to make it no frames of lag, but the original version had one or two, would you prefer to play with the original intended lag or play with no lag whatsoever? Yeah, I'd like the intent. I could deal with the intended lag because you're getting what how the game was made, then, aren't you? I don't. I don't think I'd want yeah. less lag because oh, I don't know. I suppose it, log- logically it'd make more sense, wouldn't it? Because why has it got that, that frames of lag? Was it intentional? Or was it the restriction of the hardware. Mm. hardware. I know, it's hard yeah. to say, isn't it? It's like Gorega, did did they mean to have those three or four frames? Did they put it? I hope not, because that's just me. Yeah, I know. Well, like Super <laughs> 5 does, it didn't. They did it on purpose, didn't they? To keep oh, God. so online oh, more consistent yeah. with offline. Yeah, that was a terrible <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yes, it <laughs> just it, it ruins the game then. It ruins like footsies and whiffing moves. So what I wanted to ask you, we were talking about refresh rates and it sounds like you're like me, where you're a bit of a hardware purist. Mm. And you're from the PAL region. Yeah. So this is a question I've been dying to ask someone. So what is what are your kind of thoughts on PAL region games and the whole 50 hertz, 50 frames per second? Does that bother you? Or do you kind of just say, well, it is what it is? Are you on about like arcade games now or just like home games and things like that? Um, either one. Home games. I don't know if arcade games had that same issue, but like SNES games and things like that. Yeah, um, the whole 50, 60 hertz thing, right? It depends, because I, I used to get um, Japanese games. Like, like In the UK, right, in the late 80s, imports, imp- um, local independent importers just popped up everywhere. So we, and yes. all the consoles that come from like, you know, America and Japan, they're all 60 hertz, aren't they? But if you, yes, it, it's sort of like a misconception that the UK, oh, we, all our games are like 17 and a half percent slower. But, Ideally, yes. they're not because all our TVs, as a rule, they're RGB because they got um scats, they got mm-hmm. scat sockets in the back, right? I yeah, and that. they do, and they do fifty, sixty hertz. So even in say like 
1988, when like the Peace Engine imports were coming in the UK, you could play those at mm-hmm. 60 hertz in the UK through RGB in the late in the late 80s. Okay, but you had to play on the Japanese versions, right? Or could you switch the PAL versions? Yeah, Japanese versions. Yeah, even when the Super Famicom came out, because um, it's a local importer by me. Like they say, like the, the week the Super Famicom came out, he had that Japanese one plugged into a, a UK TV. But because he plugged it in through RGB, it forces it into 60 hertz, and it comes through 60 hertz on a UK TV. That's amazing to learn that. Yeah, but not all. It was, it was a hit and miss, though, because you could go into an um, electronics place, and you could try, say, about 10 TVs, but only three would work. But as a rule, all Sony TVs could do 60 hertz. Yeah, it was hit and miss. Because when, when I bought a new TV in uh, 1996, I took my, my Turbo Duo into the electronic store with me. Because I wanted to find a TV which, which supported RGB and 60 hertz. And I tried like four different TVs yes. and only the Sony did it. Were the other TVs like Philips and non-Japanese brands? Well, there's, there's the own brand of the actual store. That didn't work. But it's weird, right? Because my friend had a 21-inch Philips, right? And he used to run a Neo Geo CD at 60 hertz through that. And it worked perfect. So RGB scat, 60 hertz, full screen, full speed. And my friend bought a 25-inch mm-hmm. version of that same TV. And it wouldn't work. It's just like, it's just hit and miss. It was random. And the thing is, he tried to take that TV. Wow. Yeah, it's just random. He tried to take that TV back to the shop, but because it wasn't broke, it, they wouldn't give him. They were like, they wouldn't no give his way. money back. No, so it's oh like, oh my god, that's terrible. Yeah, so we spent like three hundred fifty pounds, which is like five hundred dollars, on a TV, and it wouldn't work. But you know, he thought, oh, this twenty-one inch works, or this twenty-five will work. But as a rule, all Sony TVs used to work sixty hertz RGB. That's amazing, and that works with. I guess my next question is: Will that work with PAL region? It games? will, yeah. Like if you had a... yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they work... Sony TVs work through... Say say a a console wasn't RGB. um, It'd work NTSC composite as well through 60 hertz. Sony TVs would. Okay. Yeah, so as long as you got Sony TV, the 60 hertz thing wasn't an issue. And you could get input consoles, you know, just a phone call away. Oh, okay. So you guys had a lot more exposure to import options as well. Yeah, but saying that, right, me, me personally... I I had, I was playing 50 hertz until 1995 until I got my uh, until I got my you know a job so I could buy a Sony telly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, if it affect, it affected me, but it didn't need to. If I bought a telly, I would have been alright. So it sounds like as long as you have the correct television, you can run those PAL region games at 60 frames per second. You can, yeah. That's very good that you cleared that misconception up because as far as I was aware, I did not know that. I thought you were locked in. And it was like hard programmed into the game that you're 50 hertz and that's all you get. No, it's, it gets more complicated than that, mind. Because say you plug a Japanese game into a 50 hertz PAL Mega Drive, it'll play at 50 hertz. But if you plug, if you plug a PAL Mega Drive game into a Japanese 60 hertz console, it'll force it 60. So is it more tied to the hardware where the hardware figures out? Like, let's say you're using a... I don't know what consoles this works with, but... Like you said, they're PC Engine, yeah. right? So if you plugged your PC Engine into a TV that would only accept 50 hertz, your PC Engine would be the thing to figure out, this is only 50 hertz, and not the individual games. No, no, the PC Engine would, and it, it would come through black and white, or okay. it wouldn't work at all. Sometimes you go through black and white, that's when you could put it... Uh, yeah, it's, it gets confusing. Because it's weird, right? Because 
Yeah, I, I know the black and white. <laughs> then then you've got to have RGB to make it colour because it doesn't support NTSC colour then. But it gets confusing right. because when the PlayStation 1 came out, the, 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 the 5060 hertz is dictated by the game, not the console. Whereas before that... Ah, see? Yes, I've heard yeah, of that. Yeah, so you could put a Japanese... Get a PlayStation 1 PAL chipped and you could put a Japanese game in a PAL PlayStation and it'd run at 60 hertz. Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, so the game dictates the speed, not the console dictates the speed. Whereas like 16-bit, the game, the console dictates the, the console. speed. The console. Okay, now now we're getting somewhere to solving this mystery <laughs> yeah. for me. Because I've sat and wondered this forever. Because for me, I've come across PAL region games, mm. and I'm a little bit of a snob. I want my 60 frames. So I'd assumed PAL region, if it's the older consoles, it's not going to be any good for me because... You know, I've only get 50 frames. It won't work on my TV. But you're saying with the older consoles, it's not the game's fault. No, it's not the game's fault. It's, it's your the TV. Con- yeah. It's the yeah, TV. <laughs> the con- well, it's a console plugged into the TV. It's not necessarily the TV's yes. fault because uh, the TV could maybe do 60 hertz, but the console is 50. But it gets confusing then, though, because some games, right, because they knew it was going to be played predominantly at 50 hertz, they compensated and sped the game up to play the same speed. Right, I've heard of- <laughs> Yeah, I've heard. So of then, that. if you plug that optimized fifty hertz game to a sixty hertz console, it'll go too fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what though? If that is possible with Gradius three on the SNES, that would be a good yeah, thing. Yeah, it play game... arcade speed then, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, so it would just get one less speed up and uh, be back to normal. <laughs> but yeah, it gets confusing. There you go. But it's weird. Some games, like say, some games are optimized because there's more freight, more um, pixels. On a PAL, on the PAL standard, they stretched, they programmed the screen to be filled to take the borders away. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like five hundred and I'm not gonna pretend I remember. It's more, <laughs> it's bigger. Because um, if you put, say, a PAL Sega Rally on a Saturn onto a sixty hertz Japanese Saturn, because the screen was stretched to compensate mm-hmm. for the borders for the higher resolution. It, the car, the screen, the picture is off the screen at the top and bottom, so you can't even see like half the car, and it's too fast. So yeah, before you buy PAL oh, games, you want to research before you buy them. <laughs> it's not like yeah, it's very confusing. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up because I, clear, I think I just confused it more. <laughs> well, you at least let us know that there's there's a lot more to it than every PAL game is locked to 50, and that's yeah. it. It's good in a way because it's bad because. You know, your everyday person on the street, they're going to have a compromised experience. But if you know about it, you can get... Because even now, you can just go on, like, um, uh, like Facebook tree, you know, the ads on Facebook, you know, where people are selling things. You can get, like, um, a 21-inch mm-hmm. Sony Trinitron for, say, like, £10, and it'll be RGB, and mm-hmm. you just plug, plug SCART in there, you've got, like, an RGB solution without having to, you know, spend for PVM. Yeah, I know. That's a little less, little less viable here in the U.S., because... Like, my Trinitron I'm sitting next to right now only does S-Video. It will not go up to RGB. That's the thing. It's... I have a Philips that does RGB, though. Oh, that's nice. But I think, yeah, in the in the U.S., it's kind of an interesting situation because you get purists like me who want RGB, but the only way to really get that is either special later CRTs have them through components. That's right, you get component to RGB. Or, then, yes, or you get a PVM. Mm. The problem with for me though is I play shmups and I like my screen to be big so I can see all the bullets and stuff and a lot of the PVMs in my area are just these little babies. 
Yeah, I know. You, so, you see on Facebook, they've got a collection of like eight inch PVMs and it's not practical for anything, is it? <laughs> no. Or they're like, they're not that good as far as size wise. So what I've been telling people in my area is if you're into shmups and you want to play on a CRT and you want size, S-Video is close enough to not be worth dropping, you know, mm. a grand yeah. or something. I think I prefer that because if, if your options are like a 12-inch RGB or say 26-inch yes. S-Video, yeah, you're going to go the S-Video, aren't you, and just, you know, d- just deal with it. Because I think the, the experience would be better with a bigger screen rather than the extra clarity, I would have thought. Yeah, and the clarity, I have both, and I compared the clarity between the two, and it's not... I mean, you can tell the yeah. difference, but it's not. It's just like more vibrant colors. Yeah, so this video is slightly it's what you're washed mostly out, getting. isn't it? Very slightly washed out. Yes. But you still got mm-hmm. the proceed, you know, the, the um, sharp lines. Yeah, just like it's slightly blurry. But, uh... Yeah, it's not like composite where it's muddy and awful. This video is a lot better than people realize. Yeah, cause like, well, for, for years and years, I was playing through RF, so anything's better than that. <laughs> yeah, RF and mono, mono sounds, RF. Yeah, I think, but back in those days, you just didn't care. You just uh, if it's you know if it's in color and it's close to the arcade, and so I played a Spectrum for a long time. Yeah, and I think also what people need to realize is back in those days, everything looked like crap. Your TV looked like <laughs> yeah. crap. Your movies looked like crap. Your VHS looked like crap. So yeah. it wasn't weird that your games looked like crap. Sometimes you can make out what's happening on the screen. You're happy. <laughs> You're happy, weren't you? <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it's good. The UK is it has a bad rap for its TVs, but Given the right uh, right uh, knowledge, it is probably the you know the best because you got RG, your RGB sixty hertz just off the shelf basically. That's awesome to learn about. And like most consoles, pretty much every console can be done RGB, can it? And I think another cool thing about the UK that I've heard is that you know you guys have a lot more experience with imports and things like that than a lot of other regions because you're so close to Japan, right? Are we close? I don't know. No. Are we we? <laughs> well, I mean globally yeah. on a global yeah, scale. Yeah. Because I'm near California, which is kind of close to Japan, so I get a lot more. Like I have a lot easier time with imports than I think a lot of other people do. Yeah. As well. But yeah, I, I, imports have always been a rank. Yeah, because our first import, we used to have a magazine called Yeah Computer and Video Games, like I mentioned earlier, and um, they had adverts in there for the PC Engine as early as yeah, like uh, '88. You could buy um, imports, and you go to London. There's a famous street in London called um, Tottenham Court Road. And uh, yes, I've you heard, heard that, that. yeah. Yeah, you, you go there in like say 1990, and there's like I don't know, say about uh, 20 import shops all in one street, all with Japanese games. It was a uh, it was crazy. nice. I used to go there on a day trip at Christmas every year, and um, I used to go to London. And it's just yeah, it's magical just because <laughs> well, where I live, there's one import shop. That's like a like a trip to Mecca for a video game nerd. You know, it, it sounds like. Yeah. Just a street full of imports and video games. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. So it's like you go, you go, you go there. And like, because I went the first time I went to London when I saw those import shops. Yeah, it was a eight, eighty eight, eighty nine. And um, yeah, you like see the PC Engine in there the first time, and it's just like rows of PC Engine games, and you go there called Neo Geo's and stuff. And I went used to like you know the, the domestic stuff where I live. And um, yeah, it was crazy seeing all that stuff because like it's sort of lost now all that stuff because everything's on the internet, and you just phone up or fill in a form online or click buy it now. Whereas back then it was, it, it was always a lot more exciting. Yeah, because yeah, I used to go on holiday like different places, and you go go down the side streets, and you just go, you, you know, you find like a, an import shop out of nowhere, and you go in there, and you see all these games you've never seen before, and you're just like discovering everything new. It's all exciting, whereas now it's sort of that is an exciting yeah, feeling. Yeah, spoiled in a way now because yeah, everything's there for you, isn't it? 
Plus, you know, pop psychology teaches you if you see the games and are able to touch them, you're more attached to them and want to buy them, right? Yeah. Rather than browsing through them online. Yeah, because I got, I got a sentimental value for my, to my early games. Like, I still got my very first Mega Drive game I had in 1990 uh, at eSwap. Because I I, I, I'm, I'm, in the early 2000s, I sold all my games, like about 120-odd Mega Drive games. I sold them all. What kind of motivated you to sell them? Just I don't know. for over it kind of I thing? Just woke, I woke up one day for, oh, I'm not playing any of these. I, just, I went on the ISC Shmups Forum, actually. Um, a Shmups, oh, really? And yeah. sold them off, huh? It's a Shmups Forum uh, on Fnet. Uh, hashtag Shmups, it was. Uh-huh. And I, went, I sold them to a guy in there. I think it's £500 for like 120, 130 Mega Drive games. And uh, I, made an op- I made a conscious effort to keep the original because I was attached to it. You know? I think that's a thing a lot of gamers experience. My brother did that, and he sold all his crap to mm. me. Well, he basically gave all me... Okay, what happened was, my other brother and I shared all our video games yeah. growing up. And when he became a teenager, late teenage, he's like, this stuff's whack, you know. I'm a cool kid in school now, I don't need all this crap. <laughs> I'm gonna give it... A, I'm gonna sell it. No, don't sell it, I love this stuff. Okay, but I'm selling my stuff, like my, my games. I said, no, don't sell them, I'll buy them for you. <laughs> So I bought all his all his video games from him oh, nice. for like thirty bucks or something. Oh, that's not bad. Well, you still got them as well. Have you you kept hold of everything? Yeah, they're. Oh, I have them. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's a good thing I did. He about sold off all our childhood games on oh, a whim. Did he? It's so easy, though, isn't it? Back then, you, <laughs> you don't even think. You just think, oh, there's new things there. There's old things here. Yeah, I don't want it anymore. And you, you just sell it, don't you? Yeah. Well, exactly. What I should do is just what what I should have done in retrospect is just I didn't need the money as such. I just didn't want it in the room. But oh. I bought all those stuff there and just sold it. I should have just put it in the attic or something and just got it out when right. I come to my senses and <laughs> got it back down again. Right, exactly. <laughs> I honestly feel like our generation is unique in that, well, you're a little older than me, but mm. still, like this kind of time period, we're unique because we kind of matured along with video games. There wasn't any precedence for video games before. Yeah. And so a lot of people in our age range viewed video games as like a kid's thing, a thing for when you're young and so when we hit maturity we're like okay we're out of this now this is for kids we're grown up yeah we're getting rid of our video games and our pokemon cards and we're yeah. moving on and it'll be interesting because now i don't think like my son will go through that where he won't become a teenager and be like oh well video games are for kids because yeah. they're already established do you know yeah. what i'm saying i'm kind of didn't really have a category as such it was like putting the same category as say like star wars figures wasn't it it wasn't his own yes, thing, was it? Exactly. So, oh, you know, sell your Star Wars figures on your games. It's in the same category as the thing you do when you're a kid. But it's not... Toys. Exactly. It's a, considered a yeah, toy. Yeah, it's like now I'm 39 years old now. And, um, yeah, I like, I like games more than I did back then, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's so the thing. Fingers crossed they look, you know, appreciate, appreciate them a bit more. <laughs> Yeah.
I remember uh, watching your channel when I first actually heard about your channel before even just like a few days before I started the podcast. <laughs> yeah, from your Gradius playthrough. Maybe great minds think alike kind of thing. But when I saw the way you format your videos where you're playing on your cabinet and you're filming yourself playing. Yeah. I was thinking of doing that myself. Because yeah. <laughs> when you're recording with meme and stuff, if you do a direct feed, there could be like some funny business going on, can there? Like could be like save state in save state in it. Uh, go, going oh, back yeah. a bit. All day. You could be doing a Billy Mitchell on your replay. But um <laughs> there, exactly. <laughs> so like, that's that's why I did it initially. Oh really? As like an anti cheat proof you're not cheating. Well, when, when you're watching it, it's almost like you're watching somebody an arcade almost, isn't it? You're getting that like old arcade feeling of watching over someone's shoulder. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but actually I stole that um that camera angle off somebody. There was um a guy on the Jammer Plus forums and he did a couple of replays like that. So I thought, oh that's a good uh, that's a good idea. So uh, I stole it off him. I think that's a great idea. Like, yeah, like you said, you're looking over sh- someone's shoulder playing the game. And it also kind of gives you a chance to see how the game looks on a CRT. That's like the only way, really, to show what it looks like on a CRT is to film the CRT yeah, itself. Yeah, it's a bit tricky on some games because um, some games got funky yes. refresh rates. And if you're recording like 30 or 60, <laughs> you get bloody, you get banned in on the screen. Like I, I, I tried to do yes. uh, like a marathon run of Kung Fu Master, that old game, that old IRM game. But the, the refresh rate on it is uh-huh. so funky that it just wouldn't work. It's like every couple of seconds, a big band comes in the screen. Like, whoop. You, couldn't see, you couldn't see anything. There's more <laughs> yes. bands on the screen than there was actual gameplay. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so it's not, it's, it's, it looks good and authentic, but you've got to try and find games which are like close to 60, 60 kilohertz. Is it possible to adjust your camera's frame rate to weird configurations or no? Yeah, I I found that recently with my when I did the AirType one because that was a, a weird refresh rate. It was like fifty seven seven hertz, kilohertz, megahertz. I don't know, fifty seven. And um, yeah, I found an app on the iPhone that does that. You can adjust it incrementally. So I only found that it. Re- yeah, oh, nice. it's called Filmic Filmic Pro. So you can do. Yeah, I know yeah, that app. Yeah, I know so that I app. use that, and um, even if you can adjust it, so there's nearly no banding. And then there's another option on there, which you can like do the exposure, and it, it sort of filters out those subtle bands that you got left. Yeah, oh, so nice. You, you, using that, you you can pretty much film any any CRT that any game I've tried anyway. But I've only found it recently with um R type, and that, that was quite extreme filming that because it's you know, like I said, it's 57, which is with a normal 60, <laughs> yes. it's yeah atrocious. But with that Filmic Pro thing, is you can you get away with it. That's awesome, and I I love the format of your channel yeah. because <laughs> it's basically how I imagined when I was going to do a YouTube channel, doing my own YouTube channel, yeah. is kind of doing arcade game playthroughs on a cabinet type thing, and then, you know, having some commentaries over it and stuff. Yeah, it's hard doing the commentaries. It's like, you're halfway you're through it, you play it for like 10 minutes, and you just can't think of anything to say. You're like, oh, do I stop now? And you can't, you can't exactly redo it either. You can't add it on afterwards because you don't know where you stopped and where did you start yes yes i know that exactly that final fight when i did i had to talk for like 40 minutes and um yeah so it's so hard to just try and ramble on about something for 40 minutes without it being like big silences in there and uh but um yeah i, I tried i tried to change I... up the format near the end on the air type one because um i used to get trouble with the bloody um the cats jumping on because I, I when i film it i film yeah. <laughs> I film with a an iPad and an ironing board with two candles either side, so it doesn't flop forward or back. And um, 
Yeah, and if you don't lock the cats at the room, the cats jump on there and knock it all. So they've ruined a few of my runs by doing that, just like knocking things off. So that's why. I have a cat, I know exactly what oh, you're saying. so annoying. I wanted to ask you about your your groovy main setup. Yeah, I've only I've only ever I'm no expert on setting a groovy main right. I've only done it once, and uh, I've left it as it is because a bit of a pain in the ass to to set up. <laughs> I can imagine. But um, yeah, yeah. What, what do you want to know? Well, I want to first know where did you get your cabinet? Because that cabinet is yeah, awesome. that that right. As far as I know, was the first actual city in the UK. Because there was a website called Killer Cabs. And they brought the first shipment of uh, Japanese cabs in the UK. And um, I think they brought about, oh, it's about, I think about 100 cabinets. And before they sold all the cabinets, right, it's like a detour now. I'll go back mm-hmm. to the original question. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they bought like 100 cabs in, maybe more than that. But before they sold them all, they did an exhibition. It's called Insert Coin 08, I think it was. And um, they, there's a, they hired a big room and they, they set up every single cabinet in two big rows and just filled them full of PCBs and had like a two-day event. And um, yeah, that was amazing. That was, I think Icarus was there off the shrimps for him. You know Icarus? Yeah, oh, cool. he was there. I, I know, yes. Well, I don't know him directly, but I definitely know his Yeah, content. he was playing uh, Batrider on there, I think. Yeah, that was, a, that was an amazing event. Imagine that. Like, you, like over 100 Japanese cabinets just set up in the UK in a big, all in one oh. place. And it, was, it was unreal. But um, yeah, that is for that place. You know, what was the original question? Yeah, where'd I get it? Um, where'd you get that yeah, cabinet? That's right. <laughs> I fast forwarded two days in a day. Then um, I got it from France because as soon as I found out about the shooter maps and all the videos, I remember watching videos because people there were videos online back in those days where they're filming themselves on the arcade machine. Mm-hmm. So I saw one guy who was yes. playing. Um, I think it's Strikers Night Forty Five Two, and his mate was filming him. And I looked at the cabinet. Thought, oh, that's a nice cabinet, and he's sitting down. And I researched it, and I found out it was a, a Sega Astro C, and um, I really yes. wanted one. And, like, and in London, there's a few places that have got sit-down cabinets, and I phoned them up on the off chance, oh, can you, can you get one of these cabinets? Can you, you know, next time you import some stuff? But they couldn't. And um, I found this website where arcade operators go on if they want, like, um, you know, like a crane machine or something. And there's a... Like a, yes. war, like, a, like a European site and I put a message on there on the off chance because I, I couldn't get one I thought hey, am I going to get a Japanese cabinet no one sells them and um, this place in the south of France replied and said oh we got like um, we got three here and it'll be like 290 euros and like and um, it was 400 pounds shipping yeah so I got, I got it from him and uh, yeah, I was like I had to wire money through um, Western Union for their insane fees and um, yeah oh, I got it from yeah. Yeah, south of France basically and it's lucky as well because it's I don't need a step in for it because you know the UK's two forty volts. It's it's officially yes. it's officially converted to, to UK power supply by Sega themselves. It says Sega Europe on the back. So I think that that is so, so I think cool. they were using that because there's a thread on Arcade Attack forum that apparently in France in like the late nineties there's a place in France like a Sega arcade that had Astro Cities in there, and I think it's from there. So mm-hmm. it's officially 
you know, official Sega cabinet that's converted to 240 volts from the UK, you know, for the UK. But yeah, yeah. That, that was such a harsh week to have that because I was in work. I was having it delivered to work. I was going to get it home another time. And um, I was waiting in work for it. And the guy was guaranteed, yeah, yeah, I'll have it today. And uh, it's like five o'clock nearly and still not here. So I had to go home without the cabinet. And the next day he arrived. He said, oh, yeah, I, I tried to bring it. I tried to bring, deliver it to you yesterday, but I couldn't find where you were. And um, yeah, so I had a day late. But that, that one day was so painful. I thought, oh, I can finally get it today. And it didn't turn up. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I, yeah, and I kept that. That was in my mum's garage for years and years because um, I didn't move out till it. Yeah, where do you put these bad boys? So I can understand. Yeah, my mum had a garage. I didn't. I didn't move out till I was like um, thirty-two. That's quite late, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't move out till I was thirty-two. And um, sometimes I wish I hadn't moved out. <laughs> yeah, so it's more expensive, isn't it? So yeah, <laughs> so, it was basically down my mum's garage yeah. for nine years. And um, I used to use it now and again, but in the summer it was like so hot down there. And uh, in the winter, in the winter, mm-hmm. I couldn't feel my hands. But me and my friends, we... yeah, it sounds sounds like my shed. So I understand. <laughs> so yeah, me, me and my mate, I remember like I remember like a few Saturday nights we were down there with like a little fan heater putting out our hands, you know, but like breathing steam out of our mates. They were playing a uh, playing mushy on it, taking turns. Yeah, yeah, but so bad. But I I really played then. I got my place now, and um, yeah, that's when I started. You know, get some use out of this. Because it's handy because I've got it in the living room now. So it's easy to uh Oh there it's you easy go. to access. Did you have to do some hard negotiation to get it in there, or did your wife say, Oh, it's all good? Well, I, I pay the mortgage, so uh There you go. Uh, I, there you I, go. I, I get, you, get, get... you got it. <laughs> yeah, so I get the corner of the living room. So um <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really handy. Like Stacey's watching the soaps, you know, like uh EastEnders and Coronation Streets. Mm-hmm. The UK people know that. Um yeah, I just go in the corner of the room and just uh yeah, play on the arcade machine. But I think it's, it's when it was in my mum's garage, it was such a pain. I was like, I was in my bedroom. Um, I think, oh, should I go on the arcade machine? Because I, I had a super gun set up in my bedroom as well. I had um, a tape set up mm-hmm. with my uh, Commodore, my Commodore 14-inch Commodore monitor. And it was just easier to play that. But like you said, 14 inches for like yeah, shooting ups. It's, like, it's hard, isn't it? You might, might as hard. well put on a pair of like binoculars while you're playing. Because... I know. Some sometimes it's hard to see the bullets. You just are flying around and die. Like what yeah, you can't me? focus on a twenty nine inch. Like in the actual city, you play a vertical game, and it's like it's like night and day. It's like you can see things you couldn't see before. It's like you had your eyes like, yeah, half closed. Exactly. But saying that though, right? The the, the guy on Shmups who's got the um the two all on Ketsui, uh, Mister Monkey Man, Mister yes. Monkey Man, I think is the first guy who did it. He uh-huh. he did that. I think I read somewhere on like yeah on a fourteen inch um monitor rotated vertically. So he managed to do it. So I don't know. Unless he's that close. That's some serious visual acuity. Well, how good is your vision? Because my vision is okay, but it's not great. So I don't think I could actually physically see the bullets that well on that small of a monitor. Yeah, I, 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 I can't do it. But yeah, I, well, I did on the 14 inch. I managed. Well, that, those are my younger days. These are like uh, the early 2000s. So I did a tour of Strikers 1945-2 on that on that monitor. Nice. And the first loop of Dragon Blaze. Oh, okay. So I saw the PCB of that. Uh, yeah, the kit, 130 pay, and that was like practically new. Yeah, it's gone up a bit now. And I did the first loop of yeah. Mushy on it. So yeah, it, it, back then I could do it, but now, yeah, I think my eyes have um, deteriorated a little bit since then. But yeah, I, I, need, I need 29 inch now to, um, or 21 minimum, see. The funny story about your cabinet, the Sega Astro, is that... Before I was into shmups, I was really into fighting games and Virtual yeah. Fighter. 
and I loved the Virtua Fighter 3 cabinet. I was I was like, oh, I really want to get one of these. And it is a Sega Astro. Yeah, that's right. It's like a stand-up version. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah, it's like one. a like a plasticky, plastic curvy machine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It, it's exactly yours. Like it has the green joystick, green buttons, pink on the other oh, side. Oh, is it? Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, we had them Virtua Fighter 3 cabinets in this country. They were stand-up versions of it. Must like a stand up, I should say. Oh, yeah, like a big marquee. Perhaps it was just a UK version, but um, yeah, I didn't know that. So that, that was that makes sense, yeah, because Astro City came out in like '95, didn't it? So perhaps that was the uh, the time, yep. yeah, the time Virtual Fighter came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, because that that's what I use my arcade machine for as well. Is um, because I got the PC linked up to it. I play um, mm-hmm. Fire Online with Fight Keys. Yes, I love Fight Yeah, Cade. so it's good for that as well. Because um, yeah, you can go back and forth. And because if you set it up with um, a J-Pack, you can go back and forth with PCBs. Because basically, all the, J- all the um, J-Pack does is turn your PC into a giant PCB, basically. So, because I still got one PCB, I got Tetris Grandmaster, um, and mm-hmm. I swapped that over. You know, I could pull out MAME, movie MAME, and just plug it straight in there. So, if you do, like, get a cabinet and MAME it, it's not like the end of the world for PCBs. You can just use it for both. That's great to know. Yeah, because I, I, originally I thought, oh, I don't want to just go one way. And if I do change my mind, which I probably would have, but, um, but if I did, um, you know, I can go back to PCBs. But yeah, if you, get the, if you go the JPAC route, you haven't got to really do anything to the NK machine. You can still, you know, it's all pretty much original still. That's cool. So as far as playing Fightgate goes, it's not using Groovy MAME. It has its own, you know, F- I think Final Burn Alpha is the emulator it uses. So how does that work with your cabinet? Do you have a setup that will make it, you know, 15 hertz and all that? Or? It, it just it just works. It just works with um with the CRT EMU drivers. Oh, it could do anything. Because I set up, you know, 60 hertz, uh, 15 kilohertz, 240p. It, it's got the uh, CRT EMU drivers. I've got that. It's got that profile in there from Groovy Main. And it, it just uses that. It uses oh, that. So you okay. could play like the Mega Drive on there in 240p. It all uses. Oh, that's Yeah, it's awesome. like a separate thing. It's like Groovy Main, and there's CRT EMU drivers, and Groovy Main uses a CRT. Oh, okay. So you could, if you felt like it, you could sit there and browse the internet on your CRT. If yeah, you that's felt what like I it. do. Yeah, that's what I say. You want to uh, download like the, the new Fight Cage or download a PC Engine game. Yeah, I download PC Engine games on the, uh, on the arcade machine. That's kind of a revelation for me. Because all you, you need a special graphics card, don't you? Yeah, but it was they're so cheap. Because um, unless you want to do like really intense 3D stuff, these old ATI graphics cards are dirt cheap. I think I paid like fifteen pounds for mine off eBay. The PC I got in there is a, a Core Two Duo. There's nothing okay. majorly fat. It's like a two point four gigahertz Core Two Duo, and um, yeah, and it's a fifteen pound graphics card, and um, it runs everything, everything I want anyway. But I think it might struggle with say like uh, the new Cave games. But yeah, like Diogo, I think if you put that on there, maybe you struggle with it. But um, all the things I use it for, yeah, it's, um, it's handy. But yeah, so some people, they, they, they modify it so you boot up into main. But I like just booting up into the desktop because I can do, yeah, like fight keys. You can download stuff, burn CDs. Yeah. And you can like, boot up other emulators. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good solution. It's pretty much like the ultimate setup, really, if you think about it, because you've got the PCBs. If you, if you get like a nice PCB, you can use main, you can do... You fight keys all on a CRT. Yeah, that does sound like the ultimate setup. It's probably something I'm going to start looking into. Um, my next question is, as far as Groovy Main and your setup is concerned, are there areas of improvement that you're kind of wanting to see for the future? 
with with what with what specifically with groovy meme with groovy meme yes um i don't know if this stream is perfect for me at the moment <laughs> it is pretty much perfect i can't think of any way to to improve it perhaps a lag but i mean one there is a way of the new groovy meme you can you can offset the lag to get even less lag on it but um oh really yeah, it's like a, a weird option in the i and i with- file that, um I haven't looked into it too much because the one frame doesn't really, I don't really notice it that much. But um, as it is, I mean, that's why I haven't messed with it since like 2012 because it just works, does everything I wanted to do, basically. Yeah. And I remember hearing you mention that you don't get any kind of screen tearing or anything like that. No, because, yeah, if you, if you use like normal me, you would you would get it. But in conjunct- if you use those um, CRT me drivers in conjunction with Groovy Mame, it yeah, it doesn't, you don't get any screen tearing at all. Because with the old, with the standard meme, you need to enable vSync, don't you, to uh, take the, the tearing away? But that introduces like significant lag. Then you you can feel it. You can feel it. You yeah. press left and right fast. You can feel it, can you? Oh yeah, I definitely know. But um, yeah, no screen tearing. It is perfect. I know it seems like a copy answer, but I don't know where we could improve it. Hey, could you improve it? It's got like no 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 lag, no screen tearing. It works everything I wanted to. <laughs> I suppose like supporting right. your games, I guess. But I don't really play that much. I mean, any newer games, really? Just uh... right. How high can it go with the games? Like, could you play Third Strike on it, for instance? What do you mean the resolution? You mean? Well, I just mean games that are supported by Groovy Mame in your current setup. Could you play like a CPS three type game, like Street Fighter Three Third Strike, or is that a little beyond? No, I, I think uh, no, Groovy Mames. Um, it's only like a, a like a day behind the normal meme because somebody does a build of Groovy Mame. Yeah. Okay. It's nothing, it's nothing too much too special about it. It's um, as soon as the new meme comes out, pretty much like a couple of days after, the uh, the Groovy Mame equivalent's out. Oh, yeah, that's it's not awesome. Like Shmup, where it's not updated very often. Right. That's that's what I was about to say, because I use Shmup yeah. Mame, and I love Shmup Mame, but the areas of improvement I see is one, you know, the screen tearing yeah. issue, because I don't play with V-Sync, so I got a lot of screen tearing going on. And then the second issue is a lot of games are just not supported. Like if I want to play Metal Slug, it doesn't work. Really? Not even Metal Slug? That's a that's an old game, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but I've I've tried to get Metal Slug to run on yeah. there. Yeah. No, no, no. Groovy, Groovy Meme is in a, a yeah, it's in the same category as the the regular meme. It just comes out afterwards. I don't know why Smart Meme is um yeah so specialized because it does a weird thing with a sprite buffer, doesn't it? I notice on some games. When you yeah. put, if you use that, mm-hmm. it goes all funky, doesn't it? It doesn't scroll with the screen. It judders around, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Definitely better than regular MAME. But it sounds like, to me, it sounds like for the future, Groovy MAME, since Shmup MAME isn't really updated anymore, and Groovy MAME might be the way to go. But the only thing is, yeah, it's the, um, the entrance barrier. You've got to install all these weird drivers. You've got to boot the PC on a, in, in a 31 kilohertz environment. Install the dry, install the drivers, mm-hmm. and plug it for the PC monitor. Plug it into the CRT. They've finished the installation on the CRT. It's like a weird thing like that. You need two TVs to set it up because once it's gone to 15 kilohertz, you can't plug it back in a in a PC monitor. Yeah, because it'll just be like, what the hell? It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's tricky. So if you if you spend the time to do it, that is the ultimate solution. And like like you said, um, Schmuck meme isn't updated that often, and you're pretty much stuck there, aren't you? Unless the um Unless they update it, but yeah, Groovy Meme is pretty much on par with the uh, the regular Meme. Yeah, and it sounds like you need a dedicated computer for this, right? Would you say? Yeah. Because, for instance, let's say I have a PC, pretty high performance gaming PC. If I stuck this other video card in there, 
I guess I could figure out a way maybe to boot to the different video cards, oh, but I don't know. That's, yeah, that sounds kind of tricky. I don't know. That's that's confusing. I don't know. That's uh, it seems like it could be possible. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's the right. thing because when you install those custom drivers, you're over, you're overwriting the existing ones. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could like um do like a dual boot. Have like an operating system in thirty one kilohertz and an operating system in in fifteen. Would that work? I don't know. That's actually stupid. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm sure someone out there will think we're crazy talking that way, but yeah, it's best to just have a dedicated one. Because I mean, I got mine off like a local paper. I just picked it up some guy, and it's like yeah, hundred and fifty pound, I think it was. And um, yeah, that sounds yeah. Because I mean, main games, you don't need a, a super fast PC to play them, really, do you? Because I mean, my my two point four Core Two Duo works everything. Like yeah, granted, I don't play the newer cave games, but um, everything I've tried on it after like the early two thousands seemed to work on it fine. I haven't even asked uh, you that yet. What's I your favorite know. shmup? Uh, well, the one I spent the most time with, I suppose, would mean would be my favorite, wouldn't it? Maybe, but um, probably Striker nineteen forty five two. Oh yeah, yeah, that's okay. the game I spent the most time with. That nearly put me off shooting maps, to be honest. But um, <laughs> oh no, yeah, because that's the one I to- I I managed to tool that one. So yeah, that's why that's why I spent the most time with it, and it's good as well the PCB because because that that game it would take it's it's good for like. You could take advantage of it with, um, you know, like save stakes to practice. But the PCBs of um, cycle games has got a maintenance mode, so you can start any level at any rank. So yeah, so nice. you can always say you want to practice two six, you can go on there, go round two six max rank. So you can start the level off with max power, as if you got there in one life. That's really so cool. So that's why I like that game. Cause that's why I put so much time into it. Cause I thought, you know, I can practice, I can practice tricky bits on the PCB. So that, that's a good, yeah. So it'd probably be Strikers 1945 2, my favorite. Even though I don't, yeah, it, it, I don't like it too much now because um, so many bad memories of, uh, de- of uh, <laughs> thousands of deaths. Yeah, rage. Rage, yeah. Because so forgiving that game is, yeah, because Psycho Bullet Patterns, you've already played it. It's just, they're, yes. they're just fast, aren't they? They're like, it's like traps. You've got to know if it's aimed. Because sometimes they fire a big spread at you, like, but it's aimed to miss and you dodge into it. So a lot of a lot of the patterns yes. on there is like it's sort of like traps really. You gotta just keep rinsing to know if it's aimed. Is it static? Is it aiming? So is it aiming uh-huh. for you? Aiming away from you? But it looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. Is a lot of because I actually play a lot of psycho yeah. shmups, and I feel like their bullet patterns are I call them memory check. Do you remember this yeah. pattern? If you don't, you can't. You, you can't. <laughs> if you can't get to a boss, I think oh, I'll just fluke this on my first go. 
you can't do it can you it's like right, a, no. it's like a, yeah it's like a, a trap it's like a puzzle you gotta think right that's aimed so i gotta nope they seem to miss they, they, yeah the second wave is aimed to miss so i dodged so i see still for the first one tap for the second one and it's yeah it's a nightmare yeah. isn't it i've played a ton of gunbird yeah. like i've played all of them but uh, gunbird is the one i've probably played the most of and one thing i really dislike about at least that game i think it kind of carries over to a lot of the psycho games is I don't like the where the hitbox is, right at the yeah. front, rather than in the yeah. middle. And I'm used to being in the middle, so I get nailed a lot, because I'm not used to the hitbox being right at the front of the Yeah, it sprite. makes sense to just be like, you know, kick the pixels left and right, and just bang it in the middle and work your way out. But yeah, they, they just, uh, I suppose it's more realistic, so if your head's at the top, that's the most <laughs> vital part of your head. True. I, that's <laughs> so very true. anatomically correct, <laughs> Gunburners, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you like um? Do you like some of the other Psycho like horizontal ones like uh? Sengoku Blaze. I was about to say yeah, Sengoku no, Blade. I, it's weird like because Psycho Bullet dodging bullets like um inverting when you, when you go up the screen it's easy in it but when you got those bullet patterns going horizontally it doesn't it's hard to yes. understand isn't it it's like it's, it feels foreign so we're not, yeah I, yeah it so I, I try playing them but I don't know it's like it's got vertical patterns but firing from right to left instead of top to bottom and i just i couldn't get on with them the same with um pro gear it just feels weird dodging dodging from right to left it just it feels because it, it's something I, th- I think it's just in our dna like in our evolution you know, like when you're going forwards it's yes. easy to dodge things going forwards isn't it yes then going from it feels yeah i know exactly what you're saying when you're dodging horizontally especially those types of bullet patterns because you feel like you're falling yeah. so you feel like you need to go down <laughs> yeah a lot and going up feels weird yeah you fight the gravity and you like almost yeah because when you're playing a vertical shmup moving in all four directions or eight however yeah. you want to say it feels yeah. natural but when you're playing a shmup moving up feels really yeah. weird I, 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 <laughs> I don't know why I think it, it plays is. your instincts yeah because yeah it just feels yeah it does feel weird doesn't it but when things are coming down it seems to be your brain is easier as a process we go going going into something Rather than going right yes. horizontal, because you're not, you don't usually go horizontal when you walk down the street. You're always going forwards, aren't you? I think it's just, I think it's just like your, your evolution has just predisposed us to um, vertical dodging vertically, yeah, <laughs> <And then> sideways. <laughs> I went through this phase of trying to do some weird stuff with shmups just for the fun mm. of it. And one thing I did was in Mame, I rotated Dodonpachi to be sideways oh, yeah. and tried to play it horizontally. Have you ever done um, that? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of games on the. There's a couple of games that do that. You can play them like conversions. You can play them in the native resolution, but sideways. But they they use the controls are correct, aren't they? Like you go up and you do you go up on the screen, but sideways. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I tried. Yeah, it just feels it feels wrong, doesn't it? It Feels foreign. It feels insane it's like a, it's to like do a that. Different, it's like a different game, isn't it? It's like you're not looking at the same. It's like a different game. It's not even the same game. If yeah, you do that. I find that. it's it's yeah strange. There must be some like a biological exp- explanation for it yeah it's um i've also flipped a shmup upside down to where the bolts are flying up the screen at you instead of down at you that is bizarre I've done too that on them um, on... are you aware of tetris tetris grandmaster the uh the fast tetris game i learned about it listening to the podcast oh, yeah, yeah. but yeah you put playing that there's a, there's a cheat you can do on that because there's loads of like joystick um configure it um taps you can do to get different sheets and there's a thing on that where you play tetris upside down where the blocks come from the bottom and go up even though it's like yeah. the same game it's just orientated 108 degrees it shouldn't be that much different but it just feels 
Yeah, it feels like you're trying to like you're right with your left hand, and you're right with the opposite hand you're used to. Yes. Or yes. yeah, or like in a, in your car, like the accelerator's on the opposite side and your brakes on the other side. It shouldn't be <laughs> that, that drastic, but um, yeah, it just feels weird. I know, I know what you mean, but it shouldn't be, should it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. So, have you played many other cycle games? What have you tried? Um, Dragon Blaze. I haven't tried it. I'm gonna pick it up on the Switch. It's actually. weird because like there's a couple of generations of uh, cycle games. Because I think you got all the Strikers and Gunbird and what have you. They're like yeah, Gunbird One, mm-hmm. Strikers One. They got like a second generation, which is like Gunbird Two and Strikers Two, where they beefed it up a little bit. And then you have got Strikers Three and Dragon Blaze, where it's almost like cave-like. It's more like I got to try yeah, that out. Yeah, it's more bullet hellish. So Dragon Blaze is a bit is more cave than um. Than Strikers is because it's got loads of slow moving bullets on it as well. Why well, you gotta try yeah, that? Yeah, and they're pink as well, they're pink bullets. But yeah, Dragon Blaze is good because you like key, um, cave games, it's very cave like. It's got lots of yeah, like slow bullets, but it's also got the fast, ridiculous, you've got to know how many times to tap cycle patterns as well. But yeah, that, that, I reckon that's. I think those patterns are fun too. I just wish, especially with Gunbird, I just wish the, the hitboxes were a little smaller, but. I think there is something to be said about, you know, you mentioned you like, okay, I'm trying to pronounce this correctly, Mushihime-sama. And I feel like of all the cave games, that's the one that feels more like a Psycho game because there's a lot of fast bullet patterns in that game flying at you compared to like Dodonpachi. Yeah, I think that's why I did the original because it is a lot of... um... Lot of, a lot of fast patterns, isn't it? Like, like you can wait for the tap, and then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because original is pretty much like like a Psycho One steroids, I guess, isn't it? Whereas like Maniac is more your traditional cave game, isn't it? With more slow, slow moving, dense bullets. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember the last month I was like taking a little bit of a break from playing DOJ, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of a break. But I'm gonna play another yeah. cave game. Oh, I'll play Mushimi-sama. And when I was playing, I was like, this game is surprisingly fast as far as the bullet patterns and everything, especially coming from DOJ to playing that. I was like, holy shit, these, bad, these bullets are flying yeah, at me. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it is. It is it's weird. Cause it's, not, it's not like easy mode. It is, it is easier than Maniac. But yeah, it's almost like a different style of, of bullet patterns, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I did that quite quick, that one, because um, I, I, I did that off the back of um, Strikers 2, so... I had all that. Yeah, I bet that was a re- refreshing change yeah. for from going from such a brutal difficulty to that. At least for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, going from Diver Cat, um, Diogeo to that, it's a yeah, it's different, isn't it? I think you, you can't stop playing that for too long because you, don't you? Because are you are you learning to chain all the stages as well, or just there to the one CC? I'm going for the one CC of the first loop. It's the most noob goal, but. The game is the base difficulty of that game is so hard that it's still a battle. Yeah. <laughs> but one strategy I've been doing is I've been trying to tank up as many lives as possible for the later yeah. stages. So I'm starting to do some chaining and comboing in the first two stages strictly for <laughs> lives so I can try and survive the later yeah. stages. Yeah, oh, so that's a mammoth um, game to tackle, though, isn't it? you got to like, know where all the wasps are, chain, know where the big enemies are, the popcorn enemies to carry mm-hmm. on the chain to get to another big enemy oh there's so many variables at hand hand aren't they plus in the especially the last two stages i'd say the third stage yeah. too you have to know even just playing for survival you have to have an understanding of each kind of section yeah. because you can really easily get yourself in situations where you'll there's no escape if you don't if you're not playing really carefully and preparing your route yeah. there's just parts where you get pushed into a corner 
and there's an unpenetrable wave of bullets yeah, yeah. coming at you. Not meant dead. to be on that side of the screen at that time, you. Yeah, because I remember I was listening to uh, STG Weekly on the uh, the Ketsui um, episode, and the guy on there who did the um, the Ura loop, the second, you know, both loops of Ketsui, and yeah. um, he was saying like level five of that is just super ridiculous. Like you, you get, you gotta find a route and you know rigidly stick to it. Because if you go off it slightly, that's you're dead because you you just don't know where you want to be at certain times. It just calls you. It's so strict, apparently. Yeah, sorry, man. You were cutting out a little bit. Sorry, you know, I moved back a bit in the van. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's super rigid, <laughs> isn't it? That's the thing. You can't stop playing that for too long. Otherwise, you forget little tiny nuances. And like, uh, yes. You're back to square one, aren't you? Did you uh, where are you at the moment? The stage, what stage are you on? Stage five, baby. The last one. Oh, is, is it long, the last stage? Yes. Yeah. It's a. It actually contains a boss rush of all the Dodonpachi bosses, but they're uh-huh. not nearly as hard. But they're still. Actually, the funny thing is, that's the easiest part of the stage. Stage five, they just throw the kitchen sink at you. It's like <laughs> just relentless the entire time. Yeah, oh, it's, 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 it's too stressful. It's like that video of um that guy doing the boss doing the the hair mode. What did he do? Death mode or something? Death, Death label. Oh, was it when he's playing on the PS2, isn't he? And he's got the uh, that Arika. Yes. Sign in the corner. Yeah. Death label. That looks that looks stressful. But uh yeah, you look you look pretty happy when he did that. Oh yeah. I actually have the PS2. Well, I played the PS2 version every now and again. Yeah. And when you go into death label, there's a warning that appears on screen. It's <laughs> basically like, listen, you're gonna die. This is insane. Are you sure you want to continue? And then you have to say <laughs> yes. Uh, mad. It's amazing how they complete those games in the arcade with like just purely on the arcade. With no like practical you know, ex- oh, external practice. I think about that, <laughs> and if I had to play this game just strictly in an arcade setting, where every time I needed to work on something, I'd have to replay. I could see it's possible, but man, you would sink a lot of time into it. Unless you had a really good memory, or you, because let's say you film the screen. Yeah, because let's say, or even if you want to try different things out, though, like let's say there's a really tricky bullet pattern of the third boss that kills you a lot. Yeah. You'd literally have to play through the first two stages, get to that boss, and get to that bullet pattern again, just to try out a few different things. <laughs> I know, I mean, that was a crazy amount of time, isn't it? But I, I suppose then, as well, though, you can sort of do, like, theoretical dodges by watching someone else play it while you wait for your go. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess in an arcade, too, there'd be, maybe you'd have a, like, a, s- a network of players, and they could all sit down together and be like, listen, in this third, you know, wave, what you need to do is you need to get into this corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess there's real world ways around it. But... And, and almost looking at bullet patterns when it, you're not you're not controlling it, you can almost see things that you wouldn't see normally if you just like what if it. That's very yeah, true. Yeah, so you can like almost have a go by not having a go. You know what I mean? But yeah, purely on your on your, with the PCB, that'd be uh, uh, super harsh. I think. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. I was talking to uh, Plasmo in the Discord. And we we're talking about super plays and stuff. And I was mentioning when you watch like these really talented players doing their super plays, mm-hmm. they make it look so easy. You're sitting there and you're watching it because I've been struggling with DOJ for months. And then I watch a super play of it. <laughs> I'm like, why is this? This game doesn't yeah. even look hard. And they're like super creative <laughs> with their strategies. And like, I never would have thought of that. Some of the stuff I pick up on, I know some people, when they want to learn a game, they'll actually really break down and analyze someone else's replay and you know, try to emulate it. Personally, I could see why that's really efficient, but I'm just, I like to be a little more creative with my own routes and stuff, even though they're not that good. That's what I I do. If I like 
want to approach a game, you'll have a look at a replay, see what's possible on it, but then do your own take on it. I don't like, yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel right just like copying it, you know, carbon copying someone else's play. Yeah. You want to put your own like little spin on it, don't you? I think when you're playing for survival, there's no need. I guess when you're playing for like high level scores, there comes a point where you have to basically find the optimal way to yeah. play. But at my level, that's not necessary. Yeah, whatsoever. I know. I chip away at it basically, don't you? But I think all those Japanese players, they don't just get it overnight. I don't think because like there's an oh, interview no. with Clover Tack where he was saying like when a new game comes out, he practices it, practices it for like eight hours a day. Holy yeah, shit. it's like it's like eight hours a day or eighty credits a day, something ridiculous. It's some insane amount of time he plays it. And uh, my friend before, he was in Japan, and he was, um, you can pay, this is one arcade, you can pay to have a go on the air, you can pay for the, that machine for the hour. And this, one, yeah. and this one guy was playing, I don't know what game, it was a, a cave game, and he kept resetting the first level, he did the first level, reset it, and he just did the first level over and over for an hour, just resetting it, resetting it all <laughs> oh the time, gosh. just so he, so he could find every little thing on that level. But um, uh-huh. yeah, I can't imagine playing a, a game like that, like eight hours a day, just to get in there getting Arcadia as a, as a top score. Yeah. I do know now, though, when I sit down and practice, I mean, I can sink a lot of time into it without even realizing it, just because it's so fun. For instance, the other day, I practiced the final boss probably for three hours without even realizing <laughs> really? it. Then I'm like, holy shit, I've been here three hours finding the final boss. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading, then what's his name? Uh, oh, what's that guy from Epps, the French player who wrote that um that little... Prometheus. Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, I remember he was saying that. He said, like, He's a practice for hours and hours just on certain sections, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you read that guy? I have, yeah. Well, it's true. The full extent of That's the gem? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have read that, yeah. Yeah, I did too. I read it before I even started playing Shmups that seriously. I don't know how I came across it, but I was like, wow, this is really good. This is really insightful. Yeah, it tells you little things like, say, when there's like a fast bullet pattern or like a, a dense pattern, go up the screen a little bit and go down with it so it almost like slows the pattern down and dodge diagonally as you're dodging down. Little little weird things like that. Yeah, that's quite clever. But um, yeah, he's an amazing player. That guy. He's done both loops of um, Dio Geo, hasn't he? I think. Yeah, I've watched all his special demonstrations. He plays on stuff. keyboard, doesn't he? He uses the keys. Yeah, which is I know that's pretty. Awesome. But I think he he's used the keyboard uh, joystick as well. Because I think he went to Japan and he um he did it on the joystick as well. So that's crazy. But yeah, key- that's impressive to use both. I've been trying to learn to play on the keyboard just so. I'm thinking maybe someday I could sneak in some games at my job and play <laughs> yeah. on the keyboard. Or just play a laptop in bed or something, can you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's awesome for coming on the show. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before you go? Uh, no, I think I could at all, actually. It's, it's, near, it's near bedtime over here, actually. <laughs> well, I'll let you get to sleep. Thanks for yeah, being on the show. I'm going to have a coming on there. My hangover was kicking in, I think. But um, yeah. <laughs> no worries, yet. Get some water and get no to worries, sleep, yeah. dude. Thanks for having me on this. Uh, it's been fun, yeah. Reminiscing and what have you.